to um, uh, make the message clear to them. Open their hearts to hear it, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Children are dismissed for Children's Church. Thank you for being with us this morning. We are excited to always to gather together and uh, have this time in God's Word. And it's it's always a beautiful time of year, Thanksgiving, and then coming into the Christmas season, uh, remembering the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ and God's great work in regard to our salvation. So if you can open your Bibles to Romans uh, chapter 9 there, we'll continue our studies in the, in the book of Romans this morning, and uh, <clears throat> we'll, um, we'll have the communion and dedication service next week, and the following weeks we will have, uh, of course, our time in uh, focusing on the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the birth of, of our Lord and Savior, and the miraculous things that God has done uh, for our salvation. So if you'll turn to Romans chapter 9, and uh, let me open us with a word of prayer. Father, fill us up with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding and strengthen us that we may walk in a manner worthy of you, our Lord, and please you in all respects, bearing fruit unto every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you, our God. Strengthen us with power in accordance to your glorious might and give to us the endurance and patience and strength with great joy as we sing and worship you and celebrate this morning, we ask your presence and the work of your spirit uh, to attune our hearts to the things that you would say to us through your word. We give thanks to you, our Heavenly Father, for you have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You have caused us to pass out of darkness and death, and into light, and into the eternal life of our Lord Jesus Christ. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and we cannot understand because they're spiritually appraised. But with you there is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. So break up the fallow grounds of our hearts that we may hear <coughs> your promises and receive your revealed and spoken word and believe in your words for us. For we are your people and you are our God. And we love you and worship you and a desire to serve you, Lord, and walk in the light of your truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. <clears throat> okay. Well, let's uh, begin with the reading of of Romans chapter 9 verses, I want to begin with verse 1 here uh, and going through verse 13 uh, and finish up with what we began in this passage from 6 to 13 last week. I'm telling you the truth, Christ, <clears throat> or in Christ I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory of the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and promises whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. <clears throat> but it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, 
Neither are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. <clears throat> For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebekah also when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose according to his choice might stand not because of works, but because of him who calls. It is said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. And uh, let's uh, take a, a look, uh, delve and dive into to this incredible passage of scripture uh, as we consider the realities that in accordance with the, the predestined foreknowledge and predestination of God and calling for uh, those that are his and in accordance with his plan and purpose in salvation that, uh, that we are, are, are God's children of promise and brought into God's family uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, the predestined and preordained plan that God has that, that runs through history in regard to the redemption of mankind and the ultimate <clears throat> uh, judgment and dealing uh, with the problem of evil. Uh, for remember that, that evil is bracketed, that there was a beginning of it with angelic and later mankind's rebellion, and there will be an end to it in which the judgment of God will, will remove uh, evil and there will be eternal life in Jesus Christ as the children of God uh, with our God and Heavenly Father. And uh, so we're, we're looking at some of these uh, much, much deeper things in regard to the plan and purpose of God and I just want to say a couple of things about this. It's, it's when you uh, talk about the, the doctrine of, and the issues uh, surrounding predestination and the election and God's calling uh, and his work and what God is doing, uh, there's, it's, it's difficult. <clears throat> and, and so we deal with the, the realities that there are many things that we don't know and many things about God and about God's plan, who is God and we are not, uh, that we are, are, are not going to understand. You know, it's just, it's really beyond us. But what is given to us in the revelation of his word and the inspiration of scripture that is given to us is truth about God that we Believe or we do not believe. You know that's that's the uh, that's the bottom line on it. As we are confronted with what God reveals about Himself through His Word, there's a decision that's made in everyone's heart, and so it's necessary for us to break up the fallow ground uh, of our hearts and the hardness of our heart to worship God and to recognize God as a, not only our creator, but redeemer, and the one who is rightfully judge and, and dealing with, uh, with mankind. And the accountability that we have to our Lord and God, <clears throat> and that which will be held uh, accountable to, to the judge of, of all things, uh, to the one who rules on the throne of heaven, so, <clears throat> with these studies through 9, 10, and 11, we do hope and pray that we will magnify God, magnify who he is, and our understanding of, of what he has revealed about himself 
uh, with the submission of those things that go on inside of us and the, the, the nature of our, our fallen and sinful fleshly nature uh, that we will uh, yield to the things that are spoken and given to us in Scripture. So let's look then at the children of promise. Uh, and this is part two as we, we basically we're going to pick up uh, with verse 10 through 13 this morning. But I did want to just basically go through the verses here um, and <clears throat> the things that, that we looked at last week. Uh, first of all, God's elect are those predestined to fulfill his purposes. Now, if you look at these characters that are being uh, addressed here, uh, the scripture says that God predestined that through the, the lineage of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob would become Israel, and through that lineage would come the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, whose birth and his coming we celebrate here in a few weeks. Uh, but God predestined these things. He, he orchestrated them. He is God uh, called and chose things that we do not understand. He chose Abraham and he, Isaac and Jacob who became Israel and the, the nation of Israel and uh, these, this people uh, that Paul so uh, acknowledges and, and loves and is grieved over their rejection of the Messiah. Uh, but Paul is, is dealing with uh, the election and predestination of God and the, the planned realities that in the coming of the church age was, was an intervention. It was, it's called a mystery, things that were not understood in the Old Testament. Uh, they were revealed uh, at the time through the Messiah in the fulfillment of all of these prophecies that were given and in fulfillment of the of the miracles that were worked and, and the, the authority of uh, an expression of, of this is what God is doing, given to mankind uh, in his plan. And we have to uh, agree that, that God's election and predestination, his plan as God is the best good that can be. And uh, uh, the fallen world that we, that we live in, he's doing uh, the, the greatest things that, can, that a loving God can do in dealing with the rebellion of the angelic beings and the rebellion of mankind uh, to, to, to bring about judgment and this separation of good and evil uh, <clears throat> um, with the least collateral damage. So if any of us were judges, we would do terrible harm because we're not capable of making judgments that need to be made. But God, who is almighty and all-knowing and all-glorious, is able to do uh, what is necessary to be done for the redemption of mankind, for the saving of those that, that will be saved, and the separation of this problem of evil that we have. Uh, so these are the things that the Apostle Paul is dealing with. And as we've gone through the book of Romans, we uh, have, have learned that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Uh, uh, we uh, realize the, the truth that, that God's plan and his election, his calling, his work is not something that is done on mankind's part, not with mankind's wisdom, not with the will of flesh, uh, not with any of those things. So forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God's plan from the very beginning all the way to the end, God who transcends. And again, we magnify who God is. He does not exist like we exist. He's an eternal in his being and in time. He's, he transcends time. He transcends the material world that he created. He's outside of that. But his word is settled, what God has spoken and what, what he foreknew and predestined at the beginning was settled uh, through, uh, through time and through eternity. So there's a sense in which, which we already stand before the Bema Seat of Christ, for instance, <clears throat> even though we're, 
we're making our way through time. God, who is eternal, already exists there. He does not, he's not constrained inside of time. And these things are inconceivable for us. It's hard to imagine that this God who transcends time interacts with us in time and space and in the dimension in which he created us and we live. But <clears throat> looking at, then at the verse, but it is not as though the word of God has failed for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Now, why is he saying this? It's because, uh, because the rejection of Israel of their Messiah. And Paul's heart is broken that there's rejection. But he's addressing the issue, the problem of this concern that they would have as he's speaking to both Jews and Gentiles that the word of God and the promises that are given in the Old Testament, the covenants that were given in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel and the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that was uh, future things to come, <clears throat> that in Christ the Messiah, there were many uh, surprises, many mysteries that were there because of the rejection of the Messiah and the nation not receiving their Messiah. So the question naturally would become is, well, these, the word of God is settled in heaven forever, but why has there been this failure uh, for the nation of Israel to receive their Messiah and for the kingdom to be ushered in? And, and why did these things happen? Why is there, there a seeming, from man's perspective, failure in the things, that, the covenants that God promised and so he addresses this issue <clears throat> and assures the one thing that he's, he's making the point in this passage that we're looking at is that he is, uh, he's the word of God simply will not fail. Uh, it cannot fail. It's, but it's something outside of what we could know or understand. God's plan as it unfolds, he doesn't give us everything. So the main idea is that God has picked people from many nations to fulfill his plan. That's, that's the nature of predestination. And God does that work. He's the one that, that does those things. And as we look at the, the, the doctrine of election, the doctrine of predestination, uh, there's difficult things for us to comprehend there, <clears throat> but we must, we need to comprehend what the Apostle Paul is teaching and saying here because it's been given to us as revelation. So we ask God, Holy Spirit, help me to understand, teach me these things <clears throat> that your word has declared. <clears throat> so uh, God's children are not children by birth, okay? They're not children by birth. Um, <clears throat> and we, we looked at First Peter, and, and that's by human birth that we're speaking of. Uh, and there's the idea that temporal things perish. Uh, for you have been born again, and not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, and that which is through the living and enduring word of God. <clears throat> for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It's the same principle and point that we're making, the Apostle Paul is making through this passage. And this is the word that was preached to you, is that it's the word of God. And we're going to look at this idea of the children of promise are given the word, and that word is received by faith, when, when it's received by faith, that we're ushered in by the predestined and determined will of God and the work of God into his family as children of promise given through his word. So the temporal things perish, but, but the word, <clears throat> but by trust, the promise of his word is, is brought about. Um, so we bear eternal fruit on terrestrial soil. We know the fullness of that eternal life that Christ has given us when we walk by faith and we bear eternal fruit on terrestrial soil. And ultimately, we will know that glorification that he has spoken to us of. But the word of the Lord endures forever is the point. And God wants for us to know 
that if you do what he tells us to do, that there's that eternal life, that eternal fruit. It's the nature of his word. Uh, it's the nature of the truth that he's given to us as we, by faith, embrace what God tells us and we act and move by faith in accordance with his promises, there's eternal fruit. Eternal life is expressed now, not in the future, but now. He's able to express uh, his plan, his purposes, his will, uh, and the glory of the truth of his word. That's why in the scripture it says um, <clears throat> that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for it's our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the proving of, of God's will is, is hugely significant for us. And an expression of the eternal life that God has given to us in Christ Jesus in the fulfillment, doing those things which he has commanded us, obedience to those things bears fruit. And it's God that bears that through, fruit through us, through his, his word as a child of promise. It's a wonderful thing. So let's look at the three points here. Uh, they are not children of God, protected through, or procreation through Jacob. And then there's three points. He deals with each of the patriarchal fathers of Israel. And then he deals with not children of God through the procreation of Abraham. And so remember he's dealing with Israel. <clears throat> and the fact that even though they were of the offspring of Abraham and the promises that were given to Abraham, the settled word of God that was given to Abraham, <clears throat> he's saying that the word has not failed because uh, God is doing what he is doing and his word did not come up short even though those that were of the offspring of Israel are not children of God. Okay? And, but a child of God's promise through Isaac. So he goes to Isaac uh, because of the promise and stated uh, will of God. The predestined will of God was, and the plan of God was given through Isaac. And he's making the point that, that becoming a child of God, not through Israel, uh, but through the child of promise, through the word, promised word that was given and faith in that word, that these things are the things that God did. It was uh, by his grace, it was through faith that these things become reality uh, on planet Earth. Uh, and so <clears throat> the expression that Abraham, uh, that against hope he believed in hope and the things that we've learned in our studies in Romans are hugely significant and being addressed here in a very practical way, in an illustrated way in regard to the lives of these forefathers and the plan of God's predestined and called will to those that are children of God. So uh, moving on there, they are not children of God by procreation through Jacob, and we find in 9.6, but though it is not the word of, uh, it, the word of God has not failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Not all Israel who are descended from Israel. And then secondly, uh, in uh, verse 7, nor are the children of God by procreation through Abraham. Not physical birth does not save someone or make them a child of God. Nor are they children because they're Abraham's descendant, but through Isaac your descendants will be named. So Isaac was the predestined child of promise, miraculously conceived by Abraham. Again, we made the point last week that there are no grandchildren in God's family. Uh, God wants for you to know that your parents' faith in Jesus Christ will not save you, uh, nor other things, uh, but through the promise, the spoken word of God, and belief in the spoken word of God. So <clears throat> a third point is that 
a child of God's promise uh, through Isaac is, is what the unfolding of, of God's predestined will. That is, it is not the children of flesh who are the children of God, but the children of promise are regarded as descendants. Promise of what? Well, the settled word of God in heaven, the spoken word of God, the plan and purpose of God. So when we look at this, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, speaking with his disciples, I do always the will of my Father. My meat is to do the will of the Father. Jesus Christ, when he came and he took upon himself human flesh, his purpose was the fulfillment of the will of the Father. And what that tells us, that child, the children of promise, their, their very purpose in life is the fulfillment of our Father's will. Uh, and that's what uh, Christianity is about. It's what it, it, it means to be the elect, the called of God, the children of God through Jesus Christ. The promise is that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And there's a general call, right, in, in that gospel that the preacher says, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Uh, it's the message of God. And it's a general call that's given to all mankind. And in the understanding of, of the election and the, the rejection of, of Israel as a nation and nationally in the fulfillment of of God's plan and purposes. I mean, we look at, at these and, and we, we wonder at, um, at, at God's uh, plan and the work that he's doing, but God is in control and in charge of these things. It's through Isaac your seed shall be, will be called, and that means through the promised word of God, uh, the children of promise, uh, become the children of God through faith in his word. A fourth point is that God will accomplish by the promise of his word, uh, or God's will is accomplished by the promise of his word. Uh, that's why the issue with the believer is always faith, right? Uh, for this is the word of promise in verse 9, at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. So, uh, God is, is, is making the point of something that he's doing for his will and his purposes. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to, to Abraham for righteousness. So that point of the children of promise and believing and trusting in the word of God is, is hugely significant. And hugely significant is the rejection of that that truth and that belief. Now we, brothers, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. The Apostle Paul teaches the Galatians in chapter 4 and verse 28. So God wants for you to believe what he says in his word. Simple thing, right? Because his word is the expression of his will and it's settled in heaven. And, and the safe place for you and for I as believers in the, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is squarely in regard to what his word says. Trust, dependence upon God's word and taking that step by faith in the direction of what God's word has declared to us. Now, I would encourage you to, to beware of kind of this existential view of, of uh, new revelation that one receives um, an expression of kind of a, an emotional uh, prompting of, of impressions and, and being guided and thinking that, that impressions and, and things along these lines are God's word. Uh, there's a danger in those things. But the expressed word of God as it is contextually understood and what God is saying is what's needful and necessary for us. That's why we're students of the word. Because as a child of promise, everything is contingent upon the will and the word uh, uh, as it is expressed through the word of God. Okay? So God wants for you to believe what he says in his word. Because we prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God 
uh, when we're not conformed to this world, we're not buying uh, all of the impressions and things that others are saying and that culture speaks to us and all of these other things about what is life because God's word is life and it's truth to us. And if we order our steps in accordance with God's word, there's great blessing and benefit, eternal blessing and benefit for us as God's people and, and for the God that we worship and desire to serve. So uh, another point here is that God's will is accomplished by faith in his promise of his word uh, and that Sarah should have a son. Uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, the, uh, and kind of closing that section, chosen by his will, delivered by God's power. Uh, that's the truth of the power of God's word. Um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and, he, he, uh, and we beheld the glory of God. Uh, so uh, beholding the glory of God and understanding the, the majesty and the power of Almighty God and, and the, uh, the significance of our utter faith and dependence upon the declared word of God is the, by nature um, the eternal life and the salvation that we have. So the scripture tells us in Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, just like Isaac was chosen before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So in God's plan, he elected you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. And <clears throat> he did that uh, as predestining you to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ. It's God's work, according to scripture. The Bible teaches us that God chose us before he even created the world. He knew, understand, understood, and worked those things. So, uh, and it's difficult to deal with, is it not? Um, but our, uh, our, our will and choices are not negated in the truth of God's sovereignty and in the truth of predestination. Uh, it is... Uh, worked out there's a unity that Christ prayed for that we would have that he had with the father father I pray that they might be one as you and I are one well how was Jesus one with the father their their will their plan their purpose and and there's diversity there the son is is a person and the father is a person and they they have different roles and those things but there was a oneness that Jesus Christ prayed that you and I would have not only with God but with one another. <clears throat> and in that oneness, uh, we were chosen before uh, the creation of the world to these things. So children of promise, uh, next, next point there is uh, that there's no salvation by our fathers or our forefathers. These are the things that we learn. Uh, there's no salvation for those that... that the apostle Paul grieved for of his kinsmen uh, because of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Um, that is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of promise are regarded as descendants. So what does the scripture tells us? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And as we've mentioned so many times before, uh, this person over here from the same message, the same evangelist, the same preacher, they hear the same things. This person uh, comes to faith in Jesus Christ and is born again and receives eternal life, and another person over here does not. And it's a mystery why that happens, because they get the same truth. But one heart rejects and one heart receives. And the scripture tells us, that who, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, who puts their faith in Christ's death on the cross for our sins and the, for the penalty of our sins, and we entrust ourselves to his work for our salvation, entrusting ourselves to him.
Everyone who believes and puts their trust in the work that Christ did for us has eternal life. It's just that simple. And if there's anyone here that has never put their trust in Jesus Christ, I urge you not to, to wait and not to, uh, to depend on, well, I'm going to church, I'm with my parents, and, and we're Christians, and that kind of thing. It's a personal reception of the, of the work that Jesus Christ did for you. He loves you dearly. He desires that none should perish. And the, the call of God is open to anyone who will come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever will may come and know eternal life in Jesus Christ. But he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. It is the only way for eternal life and for uh, the things that are promised to us in his word. So let's look then at the second uh, section and points here uh, that we would make. Um, and that is that God's children are elect by his purpose and calling. Uh, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Predestined all the way to glory. That's the work of God. That's the salvation of God. And that's what God does in and through his children. So God's children are elect by his purpose and calling um, and, uh, and not through any uh, manipulations, even the choice of man. It's, it's belief in what God has declared in his settled word forever in, in heaven. So uh, Israel is not the children of God by the procreation of Isaac, uh, as Rebecca's child through the child of promise of any, any, or any flesh uh, or through the goodness of Isaac's children. Now the point here and in the point in these passages in verse 10 uh, here is, is and not only this, verse 10, but there was Rebecca also when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. So we've dealt with the fathers and here <clears throat> we're looking. It's not through Rebecca either. In fact, Rebecca had two sons, uh, and, and, it, and the, so Paul moves his argument to these two sons that were born of the same woman and the same father, uh, and one was uh, elect, one was the, the, the chosen of God, and one was not. Um, and so... Uh, Galatians 2.16 says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, since the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. So not by the works of the flesh, human flesh, uh, not by birth uh, or, or, or special privilege, uh, and not uh, by the, the works of the law is one justified. So, uh, and moving on there, they are not God's children or the children of God by procreation of Isaac uh, is the point made. The children of Isaac do not become God's children by birth. And uh, again, in verse 10, it says, and not only this, but there was Rebecca also when she had conceived twins by one man, that would be Isaac, right? Uh, our father Isaac. Uh, so again, Paul's, he's, he's talking about Israel, his kinsmen, and the fact that, uh, that they are not uh, children of promise and were not brought in to, uh, to God's family even though uh, their, their uh, father was Isaac, their, their forefather was Isaac. Uh, next point is that they are not Rebecca's child through the child of promise or any flesh. Remember, Isaac is the child of promise. So what is Paul making the point of here? Okay, so they're, they're, they're not uh, a child uh, of God because Isaac was the child of promise. So 
there's a focus then right on the promise. And again, the word that's spoken. Uh, the word, the promise that God gave. So not the child of promise, not any fleshly work through the procreation that came through the child of promise, through Isaac. Uh, so he's really hammering the point that we don't uh, inherit eternal life, that there's, there's no grandchildren with God, that you must become a child of God through faith in Christ and through a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. Uh, John 1, 11 through 13 says he came into his own. So Christ came to Israel. He came to the nation of Israel. He came into the Jews uh, that were of his tribe and of his offspring. And those who were his own did not receive him. What did they not receive? They didn't receive the promise, right? But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the authority to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, and again, the point that, that Paul is making here, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So <clears throat> the Bible teaches that the children Rebecca had by Isaac were not saved by their parents, not by Isaac and not by Rebecca, uh, there, that there wasn't some uh, special uh, inherited blessing through Rebecca or Isaac. And so that about covers it, doesn't it? Uh, and... Uh, we're, we're brought to the things that were taught in the gospel. Um, they are not through the goodness of Isaac's children. So here we come to um, Jacob and Esau, right? Rebecca had uh, Jacob and Esau, and, and Jacob was chosen. And, you know, I mean, it, with a very casual reading of the life of Jacob, you say, what? What in the world did God choose Jacob for? And we could say that about each one of ourselves, right? Uh, because Jacob had, you know, there were just a lot of things that in his life that were, you know, you'd look at it and, and we as Christians would say, boy, that's bad behavior. <laughs> and, and why would, would this person be the called and elect of God and, and be such a mess? But Jacob was a mess. And as we go through the life and the plan of Israel, uh, they were a mess as well, but they were called by God for God's purposes. And God's purposes unfolded through them because of his election and because of his purposes, not because of their, their flesh in any way. So <clears throat> Romans 9, 11 says, For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so it wasn't by any works that they did, so that God's purpose according to his election or his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Okay? Uh, I mean, the point that Paul is making is that God does, despite how much we are stinky with our sin, that God's elect purposes are going to unfold and going to be accomplished and his promises will be fulfilled. That his word will be fulfilled. Whether we engage in that or not, uh, is it, uh, uh, the, the glory of that eternal life that has been given to us will be either realized or not realized. And it's realized by faith in the promised word of God. It's not realized in every time when we, we fail or come up uh, short of that obedience to the, the spoken and declared word and promise of God. So uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful and marvelous calling to us. Uh, but as we were talking about, uh, about freedom uh, last week, freedom is dependent upon our responsibility. And responsibility is built upon character. And that's true in regard to the eternal life and the temporal experience that we may 
experience here, that uh, eternal fruit uh, that is birthed or born uh, on terrestrial soil is dependent upon our, uh, our um, communion and, and union with the truth of God's word or not. Where we prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God and that obedience to, to God's purposes and calling, uh, it determines the experience and the expression of that eternal life and, uh, that is given to us in Christ Jesus. And it's all there that by faith we may know those things, but it's, it's, it's required that as children of promise that we believe and trust in the word of God to know the glories of what he has for us in Christ Jesus. Uh, so uh, one thing is, is clear here to me that is, is sometimes not too, so clear when we speak of Calvinism, and that is that man, according to Romans chapter 1 and according to our studies, that the wrath of God, um, for the wrath of God is, is manifest to uh, those... Uh, for the wrath of God, I'm forgetting my, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So there's a choice there that is, is not only made, but we're accountable for. Um, and when we choose to um, suppress the truth that has been given to us, there's judgment for it. And there's judgment based upon that choice that is made. Uh, so our responsibility in faith as child, children of promise and to the word of God and as the elect of God is that we're responsive to the word, we're responsive to that truth because judgment both for the, believing, for the believer and for the unbeliever is based upon uh, the choice that is made in regard to the truth that is given. Okay, So don't discount man's choice in regard to the predestined will of God. That oh, well, It's not fatalism. It's not all that is determined. Uh, and, and those things that are, are determined are just going to happen. So, uh, you know, that man's choice is not in, involved in the election and the, the predestined call of God and purposes for God in Christ Jesus. In fact, hugely significant is the, those decisions by faith in regard to the truth of God's word. Uh, you know, that's the basis of, of judgment and it's the basis of glory. It's the basis of, of, of whether we in, engage in the will of God by faith and know the fullness of God's glory. So just think, just imagine if God's people were, were faithful and obedient and given to uh, that, that faith and trust in the will of God, what things would be accomplished um, as, as we do those things, as we respond and step by faith, make those decisions in regard, as Jesus uh, said, my, uh, uh, his, my meat is to do the will of my Father. I'm feeding upon God's will. And with that kind of desire and purpose calling, and we see that exemplified in the life of Paul, right? I mean, how many people... Uh, would would suggest that they're they're willing to give up their lives, but Paul proved that he was willing to put his life on the line, to to share the gospel with the Jewish people. He proved his love for them by the the very fact that he he went to these cities. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was as tortured uh, in many ways to share the gospel and to express the love of Christ for his kinsmen and for his brethren. Uh, so call and don't give up calling. Some of you have prayed for unbelieving family members and friends for, uh, for years maybe. And uh, God's calling is a mystery to us and what he does and when he does it. Uh, but I'm convinced that, 
that when uh, God's people are, are burdened to pray and they do that by faith, that God works and that he works through that. I don't understand it. There's many things that I don't understand. But the reality is that God works through your prayers. He works through your sharing the gospel and your willingness and boldness to step out and, and to do those things before God. So I could go on, but let's, let's move on. But make this point. I'm going to go back to that verse, if we would, Lori. Uh, that God's purpose is according to election, and it will stand. It'll stand because of his word, but we'll, we'll know the expression and the blessing and the glory of it if we by faith embrace it. And it's because of him who calls. He's called you to these things. And I love that passage in, in uh, first current, uh, uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 1. It says, um, <clears throat> For, for uh, this, uh, that, um, oh boy, that we would be worthy of the calling that has been given to us, uh, unto uh, the power, to all power. I'm going to move over here just to recall. Sorry, my recall is not so great this morning. But uh, in Thessalonians, it says that um, yes, and to this end also we pray for you always. And I've given myself to praying for, for this church body uh, and for you, that our God may count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire of goodness. So the Spirit of God gives us this desire for goodness, and we can pray for one another that God will fulfill uh, that desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. In other words, again, the children of promise, as we have faith uh, in the, the power of God uh, as we're praying for that unbelieving relative or friend. Uh, and it says this, in order that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him. So the glory of God is seen through the people of God uh, when we're seen as worthy by God to the calling that he's given to us to fulfill every desire for goodness in regard to, you know, Christ said, my meat is to do the will of my Father. Love, yearn for the will of your Father. I beg you, I beseech you as God's people, yearn for God's will. And know the value, the treasure that it has been given to you with the responsibility that God has given to us as his people. And if we would just yearn for those things, if we would just feed on those things that our Lord Jesus fed upon, we may know the glory of God and the name of Jesus will be glorified in you. That's his promise. That's his word. And may God's people know uh, that power of his grace and that power of the glory of Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, let, me, let me move on here uh, in regard to these things. They are not children of God through the goodness of Isaac's children. It's not because the younger did good works. Uh, Jacob was just chosen. It wasn't that he was a, a specially good guy. God chose him and God did miraculous things through Jacob because uh, there was the expression of faith in Jacob's life. For though the twins were not yet born and not done anything good or bad, uh, there was no merit on man's part that God's purpose according to election and choice would stand not because of words but because of him who calls. Uh, it's an awesome truth that God has given to us in his word and if we grasp it as God's people, we'll know his glory We'll see his power. We'll know the grace and power of God uh, through his children. The Bible teaches that God didn't choose Jacob over Esau because of Jacob's goodness. That's the bottom line. 
Okay, so moving on there, though, not through the goodness of Isaac's children, but because of God's purpose in calling them to his election, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger. What, what does it bring us to when we realize that it was, it was not through the goodness of something that we've done and that God's not, he's not looking or asking for us to, to justify ourselves before him. And what happens to God's people when we realize that, that God in his great mercies has done these things? We worship him as God, right? We, we come to a, a new and greater understanding of, of, the, of the glory of the God that has saved us and delivered us. This is a beautiful picture. It's two twins in the womb that are fighting. Isn't that cool? Uh, I found that on the on the uh, uh, internet, of course, but they're, they're like tussling in there. And that's exactly what uh, Jacob and Esau did. And God communicated to Rebekah that he was choosing the younger over the older. And this contention has gone on through the ages, hasn't it? So it says a lot about things, that, that there's, there's a, a, a lineage, of, an expression, a genetic uh, thing that, that, that carries through the, the lineage of, of these people in the flesh. But there's the, the uh, predestined call and, and work of God that, that unfolds the things of God's work uh, through, as it was through Jacob. Uh, next slide there, it's not through the goodness of Isaac's children, but Jacob the younger was called to God's divine purposes. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And this is a difficult thing, you know. So did God, does he hate, did he hate Esau? And, and we do find that, that uh, we have Jacob blessing both uh, I mean, Isaac blessing both Jacob and Esau. And that God uh, promised through Esau, just as he did through Ishmael, Abraham's son that was not chosen. But he blessed them uh, with kings and nations and tribes. And, and God, there was certain blessing that God gave on the unjust as well as the just. Um, and uh, But it's a difficult thing. And I don't know that I can can uh, explain how it is that God hated Esau. Um, but uh, nor can I really explain how God loved Jacob and why he chose Jacob. And uh, it's just what God has revealed to us in his word. And I just, you know, you, you just look at that and you say, okay, uh, God hates evil. He hates uh, Esau and what he represented and what, was, was there. And we'll learn some more things about predestination as we go. But I learned that, that God picked Jacob to do something good for the whole world. Okay? Something that was eternal. Something that was meaningful. And it's so important for you to grasp the great love that God has for you and that God picked you. That he chose you to do something good for the world in the fulfillment of his will and purposes for God's people. Uh, lay hold of it. Uh, third point here, again, is that through the goodness of Isaac's children, Jacob the younger was called to God's divine purposes. In Hebrews 11:20, it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding the things to come. So God had a plan for Jacob and Esau, and an unfolding of those things and that plan that he has uh, for them. And in closing, we look at God's elector born into God's family through faith in the promise of his word. And uh, that reality is true. I don't know what happened there, but my computer went off. Uh, so, I, I jump the PowerPoint and go to my notes in closing there because I do have a couple of points in, in closing if you can spare me the time and attention. Um, so God's elect are born into his family and I did want to read this passage to you uh, from Acts chapter 13, 44 through 48 in closing uh, and I did have it there on the, 
the computer for you, but I don't know what happened with that. Um, ah, I didn't plug the PowerPoint on the power in, so. Um, but I'll just read the passage to you. You can look, uh, read along in your Bibles. The, the next Sabbath nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. This is at Antioch, Pisidia, uh, where the Apostle Paul is carrying the gospel into the synagogues. And, but the Jews, when they saw the crowds... They were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. And Paul said to Barnabas, he spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Remember, we go back to chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And we can see Paul's love for his people here and yet the, the turning of the gospel and the recognition. Uh, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light to the, for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed, or the King James used the words ordained, to eternal life believed, Acts 13, 44 through 48. God, does God promise include a literal fulfillment for the nation of Israel? Okay. These are some questions that I want for you to think about as we go through chapters 9 through 11. And um, a question is, does God's promise include a literal fulfillment for the nation of Israel? Will we see a future time and a future event where the nation of Israel responds and some of the fulfillment of that settled word of God in heaven uh, unfolds and comes about? And I think when we get through chapter 11 that there will be some things that, uh, that address that and will answer it for, for us. And then a the question, is faith a gift that is given to us by God? Is faith a gift? Is that something that we work up by our power? Does God give?